when Marshall Athletics plays for championships. Once again, your final score, 73-62. Heard advances to the Conference USA Championship game for the first time ever. He fires one in. It's going around and right back up the middle. Williamson throws to first base in time. Out number three, Marshall, is your 2013 Conference USA Tournament champion. And the cheerleaders come out to join the herd as well because Marshall wins its first ever Conference USA football title. 26-23, buzzer goes off, and the herd is victorious. 79 as the thundering herd comes away with the come from behind victory in round one of the women's basketball invitational tournament. WMUL 88.1 FM brings the action to you. Stay tuned for another sports presentation on the worldwide leader of Marshall University Athletics coverage, the Cutting Edge Sports Radio Network. Time for Sports Buzz, WMUL's weekly sports talk show with a competitive twist. Four enter, but only one will leave as this week's champion of current sports topics. And now, here's this week's moderator. Welcome everybody, I'm John Bogus. Welcome to Sports Buzz here on the Cutting Edge 88.1. It's my first time moderating for Sports Buzz. Looking forward to it, and we got some good competition tonight. We got some familiar veterans. We got last week's winner, and we got a new face here. So I'll go ahead and let them introduce themselves, and we'll go ahead and start with our Dallas Cowboys fan. Oh, uh, hi, I'm Ben Cower. I'm back on the episode, or not an episode, I'm back on Sports Buzz tonight. Uh, I am a Cowboys fan. I'm very, very happy <laughs> after this past weekend, um, but excited. Yeah, Monday night. I will say, equally excited to be back on the show. Uh, I'm a Giants fan. My name is Justin Zimmer. Uh, don't worry, the Giants will beat the Cowboys on Thanksgiving. I got one thing to say. Who they think gonna beat them Bengals? Nobody. Except, ben Anderson here. Except the Cowboys. Uh, Kyle Spalding here. I'm a Steelers fan, and I don't have much hope for my team this season. We've had a rough start. I'm sick of watching Mr. Trubisky throw the ball for three yards and then <laughs> run for three as well. Well, that's a topic that we'll talk about later in the episode, so uh, you can let all your opinions out there, Kyle, when the time comes. Uh, but it's kind of interesting, you know? We got Cowboys and the Giants rivalry. We got the Steelers and the Bengals rivalry on the show Good thing we have a little barrier between Cowboys and I. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I might... I might uh... I don't know what I would do. You might do something to me. I, I have no reason to attack you, Justin. I, I won. Cause I, hey, I just learned after I last week, never bet against the Dallas Cowboys after mm-hmm. the Cincinnati game. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah. sir. Cooper Rush, 3-0. Yeah. Well, I'm super excited for this episode. I had a lot of fun making these questions, so I'm excited to hear you all answer them. We'll start off with some NCAA football. So, App State this week dropped a loss to JMU. Marshall drops a loss to Troy. Those two would have been my pick for the Sunbelt Conference Championship game. But, I don't know, they're both starting pretty low in conference. Now that we've seen some Sunbelt in conference play, I want to know, who are your all's pick to be in the Sunbelt Conference Championship game? We'll start this question with Justin Zimmer. I'm going to stay with my original pick uh, from early on in the season. 
I'm gonna go. I'm still gonna go App State, Louisiana. Um, a, a loss to James Madison doesn't concern me. Um, look, I think they still got to play Coastal Carolina. They still got to play Marshall. I think Louisiana's gonna run away, run, run away with the West. You know, look, I, I just think App State hit one bump in the road. I still think the winner of the Sun Belt gets into the New Year's Six. I think the conference is that is just that strong, and I think when when it comes time for the ranking of the CFP. They're going to have two good teams that have beat top ten opponents that no other group of five conference has beat. So I'm going to stay with my original pick, Marshall, uh, uh, App State, Louisiana. But don't be surprised if the boys from the Teal Field, who are the real deal, make a run for it in, in Coastal Carolina. But I, I'm going to go with App, Louisiana, like, like I thought it would be in the year. You know, Justin, I, I agree with one half of your answer. I agree with the App State half. You know why? Because the App State has that chaotic energy to, to it. They, they, they pulled off that incredible upset, or not upset win, but miracle win over Troy. And App State just has a very, I don't know, a crazy energy to it this year. Chase Bryce, uh, the QB there. And, you know, App State, I, I would argue, you know, Coastal, I, 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 I'm interested to see when Coastal plays App State because I think that could certainly decided but uh again app state i like the chaotic energy that the that the uh mount through the mountaineers right i'm just making sure yeah okay so yeah the the app state mountaineers i like the chaotic energy this year uh but i'm i disagree with the west half i think it's going to be troy i think it'd be a rematch i think it'd be a rematch app state and troy where troy looks strong they they should have beat app state they should have and it was a play that will probably never, ever happen again is the reason why Troy lost that game at App State. Otherwise, Troy had a beat. And then Troy, you know, beat Marshall this past weekend, at, uh, forcing Marshall into a comedy of errors and completely neutralizing their offense. It, you know, it didn't help that, you know, Marshall has no O-line coach. But at the same time, Troy still beat them. You know, Troy could have, you know, lost but I think Troy is underrated. Uh, at the same time, you know, I don't know. Louisiana has been—they haven't really shown to me this year how you know they haven't—they lost to UL Monroe, you know, who's also in the West. I told you, I told yeah. you this past weekend. I'm like, I think UL is going to surprise somebody uh, this weekend that it was going to be Louisiana, and they did. But I'm not saying UL Monroe is going to win it. I don't think either team is better than Troy. Uh, again, Louisiana lost to Rice, too. Yeah, sure, they beat Eastern Michigan, but they lost to Rice. Rice, Justin? You remember, you remember Rice. I do remember Rice. Rice was anemic last year in they Conference USA, and they're still anemic. And Louisiana lost to them. So that's two straight losses for Louisiana. They have not... Louisiana hasn't impressed me so far this year. Um... <laughs> But Troy, through the last two games, has impressed me. I think they held their own against a, a Marshall team that has been up and down and uh, certainly held their own against App State up until the bitter end in, in a game that you know Troy really shouldn't have lost, but they did off of... Uh, the the skies opened up and you know the light shone through and Troy happened to lose that game off a miracle play that again will never happen again but again I like uh, App State versus Troy a rematch for the Sun Belt Championship I like the idea I'm going with half of what you said okay I like Troy but I'm sticking with Marshall 
I'm sticking with them. You beat a top ten team, one that's impressive, and you take two tough losses back to back on the road. I feel like they're going to come home this weekend, collect themselves, and I think they're going to run the ball all over Gardner Webb. It's supposed to rain. I feel like they're going to have a good rush game. Payne's tough, kid from Polka. I think he's got a good shot this weekend. I wanted to say James Mass, but I was talking to Ben Coward and everyone earlier this afternoon. And yes, like James Mass cannot play in the Not conference eligible. championship yep. game. Thanks, FCS. Yeah, so I, I, if they were, I'll definitely be going James Madison because they look very, very good this year. But sadly, I cannot do that. I'm having a toss-up between for the East, Coastal Carolina and Appy State. Two programs that have been very, very good this season. Because at the original, at the beginning of the season, I well, honestly said the thundering herd. Coastal and App can't be in the same championship. I know, I know that's the thing. That's the, in the East Division East, Championship. I said when Coastal oh, okay. and Appy State play each other, I felt like that game East, would okay. determine who will win the East Division and represent the East Division in the conference championship okay. game. I wanted to say Marshall okay. originally, but after the... I, yeah, we did beat Notre Dame at Notre Dame, but after these last two weeks, I'm going. Marshall's they lost two games, which they should uh, they should have beat Bowling Green. That there's no doubt about it. We should have beat Bowling Green. Troy, yeah, they could have gone either way. But as of right now, I'm not really impressed with the Thundering Herd after what I've seen the last two weeks. To be honest, if they keep playing the way they have been playing, I don't see them beating like the likes of Coastal Carolina or Appy State. So, but here, I do like what Ben Cower said. I do like the way Appy State plays, like the mentality they play with. So, I they play. I with got a, Appy a power State five mentality. Yeah, I got Appy State winning the East. In the West, uh, I got to go. Through, I'm going to rematch. I got to go Troy. I would say U ULM, but I've watched a couple times. Haven't been really impressed with them lately. So I think Troy will run the table, go to the West, uh, win the West Division. You have the rematch from last year. Well, and to be honest with you, at the end, I'm, I'm thinking Troy, after the losing the way they did, I think they come, go into that game with a lot of momentum. And I want to say right now, I know it's a hot take, I'm going Troy wins the Sun Belt. Wow. I'll, I'll just say this. I, I was up around Appalachian State's campus over the summer, made multiple trips up there, talked to people up there. It, it's championship or bust for the Mountaineers. Just everyone I've talked to up there in Boone, the expectations are high up there, and I think they got the personnel to do it. Haven't had a chance to kind of watch them over the summer compete in, in their in their camp. They got the personnel. Ben, ben mentioned they they're a power five team. They play with a power five. Yeah, mentality. they do. And, and and I think the other thing is they practice with it too. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you'll see people out there on the field. You'll see the punter out there after after practice. He'll punt for about an hour and, and, and still just try to work on getting the ball more extend right where they want to be. The only concern I have with the Sun Belt East is that they're all going to beat each other up with regards to changes. I think you look at that division, Coastal's very good. Coastal has every offensive scheme imaginable all combined into one offense. Marshall, I think Marshall, you've seen a lack of consistency, to be perfectly honest. I went back a little bit last night, watched the game against Troy on film. That was a completely different team than what we've seen the first three weeks of the season. You go to Appalachian State... I think they have they've had too many late late game heroics. If you want to win a conference and if you want to win college football, if you could have late game heroics once or twice a season. It can't be your it can't be your MO of oh, we're gonna get the ball with twenty seconds to go and we're gonna pull off a Hail Mary to win a football game. You can't do that every single game. The only that's the only concern I have with App State, but I'm sticking with my pick of App State Louisiana. See you later. All right, good discussion to start off the show. 
definitely will be interesting. Sunbelt Conference seems like it's all over the place right now. But let's go ahead and move on to the NFL. Week three was kind of a, a crazy week. Uh, I did not get a lot of my pickums right this week, mainly because, I, I mean, there was arguably about five or seven matches that were an upset. So I want to know what you all think the greatest upset of week three was. We'll start with Ben Cower on this one. Ooh. Well, this Be is, nice. This is, well, hey, you know what? I won't choose the Cowboys on this one because it wasn't surprising to me. I knew heading into that game that Dallas was going to win. Hey, Damn. Coward, I, I 100% agree with you. I yeah. knew the Cowboys going to win that game. Yeah, it's like the, uh, the Giants did not scare me nearly as much as the Bengals did, and that's saying a lot. Uh... Hey, you hear that, Justin? Through, you hear that? I think one of the, yeah. the I think one of the most surprising wins, uh, or really the the two that stick out to me, are it's the Jags and the Chargers, obviously, because the Jags blew not only beat but blew out the uh, the Chargers at home in you LA. You know why? Well, yeah, because Herbert's banged up, but still he played. Well, then the Colts is a lot better. And then the Colts <laughs> beating the Chiefs because the Colts have been horrible this year. And it's yep. like, yeah, they're at they were at home, but you know, still the Chiefs. You know, the the Chiefs aren't nearly they're they're not as banged up. They don't have a they don't have a, a geriatric at QB. Um, you know, <laughs> Matt Ryan has looked horrible through two weeks, and then still looked bad on Sunday. Yet the Colts still won. Um, that one stuck out to me because it, it shows that I think it's. It, you know the the AFC West heading into this year was thought to to be just a, an arms race, an arms race, a behemoth. You know, where uh, yeah the Raiders looked so good heading into this year. You know the the Broncos had rebuilt new coaching staff. Russell Wilson's there now. They're going to make a run. And you have the the Chiefs are you know they're, they they lost Tyreek yeah but they're still kind of the same. You know nothing has really changed on the coaching staff. And then uh, remind me who's the fourth in that division? It's. Uh, Raiders, Raider, no Raiders. Oh, and then the Chargers too. Yep. The Chargers uh, looked the best they they had, you know, heading into this season that they have in a in a real long time, and all of that's falling apart by week three. Um, it, it's unraveling in a in a fascinating way, but uh, you know that one certainly surprised me. But I, I would say the biggest shock is the Jaguars over the Chargers because the Chargers, for the most part, heading into this game, were still healthy. You know, uh, sure. Herbert was was banged up. His ribs aren't feeling great, but he can still throw the ball. You saw at the end of the of the game, uh, the the Chargers Chiefs game, that he can still huck the ball and make plays. That didn't happen this game. The entire game, uh, Chargers just looked anemic. Their offense was horrible. Their defense did nothing. They lost Rashawn Slater too, about midway through the game, which is for the rest of the season. And <coughs> Slater's one of the best O linemen in in the NFL, and he's gone. And then they lost Joey Bosa too. Bosa's out for he's got put on IR today. Um, it was a catastrophe for the Chargers, uh, but more so a triumphant victory for a Jags team that, again through two weeks, everyone's like, are they? Ah, uh, you know the Jags they they won't win the they won't win the South. They can't win. It's the Jaguars. They're they're bad. You know what are the Jags doing? That yeah, that's just a fluke at the beginning of the season. They look good. You know they they not only beat but they blew out the Chargers at home in an away game, um, and you know it's a it's a bit of a ragtag team. But you know who would have who would have expected? You know who would have expected? You know they got Trevor Lawrence there, and Lawrence is 
you know, obviously the star of the show, but you know their defense is held up through two, or through three weeks. Um, Christian Kirk, I didn't think he was a wide receiver one, but he is. He looks the part, and uh, he split. You know, Robinson comes back from an Achilles injury, which no running back ever comes back from that, and he's dominating. He's kicking butt, and ETN's there too. You know, for that that dynamicism. So, I would say that is my uh, long-winded answer. The Jaguars and the Chargers. The Jaguars, my biggest upset of the week and biggest surprise of Week 3. I'm going to go Chiefs and Colts, like you said. And the reasoning for that is is because you've got the entire, pretty much the entire same lineup you had prior besides losing Tyreek. And now you look at Tyreek, the Dolphins are 3-0. and I mean, that one change made such a huge difference to the team's entire rush offense and receiving. And now you've got a team where Pat Mahomes throws 20 for 35 in that game with a pick for 262. And you're not going to win a game when your quarterback leads the team in rushing with 26 yards. I mean, the running back had 20 on seven carries, but he had 26 on four. That's not, that's not going to win a game, even against Matt Ryan, who's a has-been, some would say, in this day and age. Mm-hmm. It just, it's, it's pitiful on the Chiefs' part. I'm going to say the Bills, Dolphins. The only reason I'm saying it is because just the way the game went. You got a team that, I mean, the Dolphins statistically, I mean, got absolutely dominated by the Bills and somehow still won the game. Because I was talking to my dad after they were showing the highlights and the stats. I'm going, how in the world did Miami just win this game? First downs, Buffalo 31 to 15. Total plays, 90 to 39. Total yards, 497 to 212. Passing, 382 to 171. Rushing, 115 to 41. Possession, 40 minutes and 40 seconds for the Bills, 1920 for the Dolphins. The Bills only had one turnover, but they had seven penalties versus 20 penalties. But still, one turnover, though. The Dolphins, you got absolutely dominated by Josh Allen and somehow. In some way, still pulled a win. Josh Allen went 42 for 63, 400 yards and two touchdowns and zero interceptions and still lost the game. I I, I don't know how in the world that's even possible. Like it's mismanagement. It was it was horrible clock management at the end of both. Yeah, I was, I was saying. Yeah, I, I saw the last play. Yeah, it was horrible clock management. I don't know why. They did the same thing heading into halftime too, trying to get in field goal range, and then they just bit off more than they could chew. And then you saw the reaction from the offensive coordinator. Dorsey, that went, yeah. yeah, Dorsey's reaction went viral at the end of the game. But yeah, this horrible mismanagement from the Bills. Justin, what were you? I'm gonna go Bills Dolphins as well, and I'll, I'll go with the same reason. I think the clock management was horrible, but you know. You talk about. I mean, I, you know, last week we, I was asked. We were asked. You know, if Miami's the real deal. And I said, well, you know, it's too early to assess that. Now they beat Buffalo. I think now you can make this. Okay, they are real. The real deal. I saw Buffalo had horrible clock management in that ball game. But you know, Miami has a short week. They have to. They have a short chance to live it off. They'll go to Houday Nation tomorrow night on Thursday night football. But yeah, look, I think. The Bills got a wake-up call. Like this is not going to be this cakewalk that you thought it was going to be. And you saw Ken Dorsey throwing his iPad around, and we've NFL's lost three iPads. Tom Brady threw two, and Ken Dorsey threw one. So I, th- I think Dorsey did more than just throw an iPad. I know, but you know, he, a little <laughs> he bit... destroyed the whole press box. But look, I, I think the thing for Buffalo is, look, I think it's an upset, but I think it's a, it's a wake-up call upset of like, listen, I know you're the Super Bowl favorites, but that means we still got to play 60 minutes. Of disciplined football, and we got to manage the clock better. In Buffalo, 
Tough game again this week against Baltimore. Don't be surprised if Buffalo's 2-2 two two by week's end. All right. That was a good discussion there. We'll go ahead and move on to some news that was kind of shocking this week, to me at least. The NFL has done away with the Pro Bowl. Instead, there will be a flag football game and skills competitions. I'm not too surprised at the end of the day. Lots of fans were complaining about the Pro Bowl and how it's been bad over the years, but doing away with it as a whole, is that what the fans wanted? Let me hear your all's opinions on it. We'll start with Ben Anderson. Finally. Because... I thought I'm going to be honest with you, the Pro Bowls that one Sunday that you did everything to avoid watching football. I mean, cleaning the house or actually doing homework for once. You did everything in your power to avoid watching football. Because I I, I couldn't stand the Pro Bowl. It was, like, it was, basically, it was basically playing touch football for four quarters. I'm like, I don't want to watch that. If, if I'm going to watch an All-Star game, I want to see players duke it out for four quarters. Play as if it's the last two minutes of the Super Bowl. Like the, how like the NBA All-Star game has kind of made it now. That's what I wanted to expect. I'm shocked it took them this long to do it. Yes, I, I, I'm glad they didn't completely do it. They have like flag football game now. So yeah, you still have your pro bowlers. You have your skills competition. But hopefully the flag football hopefully makes it more competitive. So they're not worried about like, injuring each other. Yeah, I'm, I'm just glad that they finally decided to change it ways. Try to make it more entertaining. Because I'm going to be honest with you, I, when it came down to the end of the day, I, I didn't want to waste my time watching the Pro Bowl. I disagree. I like the Pro Bowl. For me, they've already had a skills challenge in years prior. When you watch the NBA, they don't put NBA players on a mini hoop and say, go have fun. We don't play flag football and play mini hoop basketball for all-star games. These people, even though some fans don't enjoy it, a lot of these people want to see players that are never going to get the chance to play together in a serious game show their skill off. And that's what it was in the early 2000s, and I know concussion protocol and everything's gotten way more strict nowadays, so players play a little more, you know, to themselves. They don't want to get hurt, but in the All-Star game, they put that final score for basketball. Now they have to reach a potential final score, and it's changed the game completely, so maybe the NFL might want to try to do that in some sense, like the TBT, have a final score to meet at. I think uh, I'm, I'm I have a, I guess I'll have a unique take on this, too, where I was someone who I'll, in a sense, I agree with with Ben. Where, and I also agree with with Kyle because I liked seeing you know uh, players on a team or players from all these different teams playing together uh, in sort of a way. It was like an honor, you know. Uh, but at the same time, the Pro Bowl, at least in recent years, wasn't very exciting. I, I think going away with it completely is a bit. I disagree with completely just ending it whatsoever because now I I presume it it gets rid of you you can't make the Pro Bowl anymore so it's like that stat is that entire statistic is is nullified you know it's like now I don't know if it's nullified well it's well it's like okay it's now lost the time I think what should have been done is if they wanted to kill off the product and the players if they didn't want to be in the actual game itself anymore. I think you have to make it, at least keep the statistic around, kind of like an all-pro, you know, where it's like a player can be all-pro, you know, first or second team or third team in a season. I think if you keep the Pro Bowl honor around, I think if a player earned hypothetically a Pro Bowl honor, where it's like you were one of the, you were the, 
one of the best in the in the in the league at this position. You know, you don't have to go play a game now, but that stat is still around. That honor is still around. Where it's like you you earned at least you were you were I guess to yeah, a like hypothetical NBA, Bowl. like the NBA. Yeah, yeah, where it's like I like keeping the stat around, completely getting rid of it whatsoever for some dumb skills competition where. Is anybody actually going to watch that either? No. 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 It's like no. you're just going to watch the highlights of that maybe for tw- 20 it's seconds on an ESPN Instagram you know, post or Twitter. Or it's TikTok like, page. Yeah, it's yeah. like you don't... It's nothing that's like the, the NBA All-Star. Like, you have the dunk contest, three-point contest. Mm-hmm. These guys throw a ball into a hole from 20 yep. yards. It's nothing at all close to, like, the dunk contest. Well, it's, and let me interrupt you here real quick, Coward. I don't think... As even though the game itself is gone, I still think they're probably still going to recognize pro bowlers. Like, like flag football, yeah, you're still going to like vote your pro bowlers to represent your teams in that sense. So you would still I think they got rid of it pro, entirely. I said, but it will still be a stat, though. That's why I'm thinking. So, I got one simple word. Hallelujah. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you, Justin. time they get rid of the Pro Bowl. Here's the thing. I love football. You know what game I don't want to watch? The, the Pro, Pro Bowl. Bowl. It's boring. It's dumb. A flag football game, is that going to be appealing to me? No. I don't think it's going to appeal to a lot of you. I don't think that's the solution to the problem. Look, I agree with Ben. Let's just have the stat and let's be done with it. Let's move the Super Bowl back up a week. If you want to have a little fun at Disney World, we can do it the week after the Super Bowl. But here's the thing. It's not... Are, are NFL players going to be excited to play flag football? No. I can't wait till they go to Patrick Mahomes. Hey, Patrick, congrats on a great season. You're going to be playing flag football at Disney World. All right. Here's your paycheck. Let's go down to Orlando and let's... <laughs> it's like, not like it's actually it's fun. It's, it's actually in Vegas this year. Well, it's, when, it's they, the, when, they, when they moved it back to, and it's not like they're going to try in the flag football game either. Exactly. It's <laughs> right. Be like, the here's the thing: there needs to be a final. Like they went, like uh, put a score, make it like, say, first team to forty-five. Watch those guys go out there and give their all for the time limit they have, and whoever's up at the end wins. Like, it, it, give look, them a goal to reach. It's an idea, but here's the thing. Are, are grown NFL players, are offensive linemen going to want to play flag football? No, they're no. not. No. They're going to be miserable. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be a... Look, Joe Buck and Troy Aikman are going to have fun calling it, I'm sure. No, they're not. They're going to be... They're going to be, be so boring. They won't remember calling that game. It'll be like the Fox days when you look at Troy Aikman <laughs> yeah. and you can see he's like down an entire bottle of tequila at halftime. <laughs> Some of your best he's highlights got the reddest It's not going to be fine. Look, look. It's going to be horrible for television. Mm-hmm. It's gonna be. It's look. It's gonna be a disaster. I don't think it would be horrible for television, but at the same time, no one's gonna want to watch Tom Brady play flag football. No, no. one's gonna want to watch the NFL. It. The no. NFL has managed to take an event that had honor with it and had, in recent years, become a bit of a joke. Put it after uh, the Super Bowl, and then they have managed to turn that into even more of a joke. Exactly. And it's they've no watered it watch down. No flag football game. Some of your best highlights have in history have came from the football. You have Adrian Peterson. Yep. as a rookie. Won the or won the MVP trophy. For hey, the you have you have the late Sean Taylor with one of the biggest hits in the killing, NFL history. That's what I was about mm-hmm. to talk about killing the punter and he got right back up and literally hugged. Yep, look, Taylor. Like, this is going to be a disaster. I agree. No one's going to watch it. I'm sorry. I'm just going to let you know now. 
No one's gonna. The ratings for this are gonna be absolute garbage. It won't be a thing in two be, years. If I'm gonna be honest with you, I'll probably turn on at first just to see what it's like, and probably turn off after five minutes. But I'm not gonna watch. I'm it. just gonna try to watch. Just see. Okay, let's see how bad this is. Be like, oh yeah, this is terrible. I'm, I'm turning on SpongeBob. Let's let. <laughs> SpongeBob would be better. Yeah, oh, yes. I'll watch that all day over that. Yeah. Look, wait, in, in all seriousness here, are no. I don't. Think you're gonna, I think the NFL is thinking, oh, all these players, it's going to be like being kids. They're going to want to go back to being a kid. If an NFL player has to play work 21 weeks through training camp, through the season, through the postseason, they're not going to want to play flag football. I'm sorry. They're not going to want to play flag football. It's going to be ridiculous. And I think the NFL will quickly learn that the fans aren't going to want to watch it either. Yeah. If you're going to do... If you're going to do stupid shenanigans with the Pro Bowl, Roger Goodell, move it to after the Super Bowl when when, when football's over. Don't put it the week before. It, it, just move the, move the Super Bowl back up a week and put your stupid shenanigan Pro Bowl the week after. That's their yeah, problem solved. I agree. Also, flag, NFL players, you're talking your top guys who in years past have played in the Pro Bowl. Those guys aren't going to come out and waste their week to play in a flag football game. Yeah, they go you're going to have average players who people may have on their fantasy football team playing in this flag football game. It's not going to be worth watching. They're going to they're gonna have to incentivize it more. Yeah, you're going to have guys like Maji, P. Ryan, and some like their lone star go. No one's going to want to go. Yeah, you're going to have like the guys that's like, all right, you're not the pro bowlers, but you're like the guys like yeah. people like don't really hear a plane. No one's going to want to go. I got like the Cooper Rushes or the players no, like that yeah, playing the, the, the backups will show up. Like the Trace McSorley, so yeah. All right, great discussion for our first round. When we come back, we'll eliminate one, and we'll talk some more topics. Got some more football on the way, and I think I'll find a way to sneak an NHL topic in there. So uh, when we get back, we'll talk about that. Here we are. Lookout point. Stars are so beautiful tonight. Hey, is that a UFO? The light! It's got me! Jim! Jim! Mary! What? Where am I? Greetings, Earthling. Ah, we require your help. We detected an unusual signal coming from your vehicular object. You must tell us what it is. Or else. Whoa, take it easy. I was just listening to WMUL. WMUL? Yeah? It's my favorite radio station. So that's what good radio sounds like. The rumors are true. Mission accomplished. We must report this to our queen. Goodbye, Earthling. Wait, what? Jim, are you okay? What was that? The truth, Mary. WMUL is out of this world. Instead of watching the news from home, listen to the news while on the way home. Welcome to News Center 88. Now on to our top story. Weekdays at 5 p.m., News Center 88 broadcast all the day's news, sports, and weather reports in 30 minutes. That's perfect timing for the afternoon commute. So stop wasting precious time at home and start getting informed while on the go. News Center 88, weekdays at 5, only on 88.1 WMUL. The student broadcast voice of Marshall University. WMUL-FM, Huntington. All right, uh, welcome back to Sports Buzz. I'm John Bogus uh, here with uh, 
Ben Cower, Ben Anderson, Justin Zimmer, Kyle. Uh, and we're going to go ahead and eliminate someone from round one. Everyone ben gave... Ben was already standing up. <laughs> everyone gave great discussion. But yes, I am eliminating Ben Anderson. Oh, ben, do you have any last words before you head out? This is bull crap. <laughs> <laughs> See you guys next week. I'm out of here. All right. Yeah. He won last week. He already got his win. <laughs> all right. All right. Big enough for two bends. All right. That was close. Well, as Anderson makes his exit, we'll go ahead and we'll move on to our next topic. All right. As promised, we were going to talk about the Pittsburgh Steelers. Mm. I, that, that offense, they're showing signs of being a great offense. But I feel like one thing in specific might be a problem. Is that problem Mitchell Trubisky? Can Kenny Pickett fix it? What are your thoughts? We'll start with Kyle for this one. Fire Trubisky, fire Canada, fire him now. (laughs) This is the most pitiful thing I've seen in the last 20 years. When you watch them play, every time the Trubisky's in the pocket, you either get a three-yard screen pass to the left side of the field for Najee Harris to get taken out, which he got injured in the first game of the season due to this. You also have Trubisky, who snaps back in the pocket for maybe a second tops and then panics and runs the ball three yards. Again, no gain. Or Trubisky throws a bomb way over top of his receiver, where in some cases George Pickens makes a play and you get lucky. It's just it's sad to watch, man. And then the, the offensive coordinator has been the same problem. Every team that we play, they play pressure defense. They guard the run. They know that we're not going deep. We can't get any. We can't score. We can't score the ball unless our defense makes a play, and that's that's showing this season with our one and two record, losing to the Browns last game of all people with Jacoby Brissett, and I I just don't think that should happen. Um, I, I'm gonna take a different approach to this. I, I know Kyle's a Steelers fan. A lot of respect, my uncle's a Steelers fan, but I think the problem is, is this: you, they're trying to adapt the offense from what Ben Roethlisberger did to a new quarterback. I just don't think... I think they were kind of looking for a mold of Big Ben and they couldn't find what they wanted and they were like, all right, let's run. Let's start... I think they adapted the offense for Kenny Pickett and they were like, well, Kenny's not ready yet. Let's put Mitch in this offense and we're going to let him go and we're going to see what happens and if the fans hate us, who cares because we have a plan and the fans of Pittsburgh can chant Kenny all they want. We have a plan. I think it's more they they don't they don't have the right scheme for the right quarterback because they didn't know what quarterback they wanted to get at, in the office. Mitch Trubisky was probably their last option that they wanted. They signed hope. him real early. They, they, I hope. Yeah, they signed him real early. They but took I, him I, real I think, early. I think they were waiting to see how the draft was going to go. This is my thing on that man. Then again, they still could have started Pickett at, to start the season. Last season, uh, they probably didn't think Pickett was ready. I think that I think it's a Kenny Pickett scheme. For for not for not Kenny Pickett, Kyle. What were you I don't say? I don't think that's what it is, man. When we had Ben the last few seasons, he had a hurt arm. They were running the same offense for him, and it's like they don't know how to change their ways. I don't know if it's Tomlin. I don't know if it's the offense coordinator. But at the end of the day, you've also got a. In my opinion, I think a star in Pickett. He played great in the preseason. The guy was a hometown hero in Pittsburgh. He played four years, started since a freshman. I mean, this guy's a fan favorite. I think if you fire the OC. You bring this kid in fresh. I think you let him loose and see what he has. He might surprise you. You know how many times that's happened? Ben Roethlisberger, his rookie year came out because somebody got injured. He was a star. I mean, you never know what you're going to get. And I just, everyone, all these fans are saying, oh, Trubisky, he's a vet. He didn't throw a pick all this time. 
this guy, what is he going to teach him? Uh, is he going to teach Pickett how to lose games? I'll challenge you there. I'll challenge you there real quick. For a young quarterback in Kenny Pickett who you want to mold into a franchise quarterback, mm-hmm. you don't want to change his quarterback coach so early in his career. You want to have him to have a consistent voice. And Matt Canda, he comes from the college game, so I think he's going to know how to implement the college scheme into the NFL. I think you're seeing that transition more. So I don't think firing Matt Canada is the problem. I think you have to let Kenny Pickett go out there and then see how Matt Canada can call the offense for Kenny Pickett. And not. I think we're just rushing too early on judgments of the Steelers, to be honest with you. No, no the issue is... It, well, it's, it's a, it's, it goes deeper than just you know, either benching Trubisky or firing Matt Canada or doing both because I, I think it's more of a, a fundamental problem within the Steelers organization where they always happen to promote from within. Where That's not a bad thing all the time though. Well not well it's like name name a offensive coordinator or name anybody from the Tomlin coaching tree besides Bruce Arians. Trying to think See, look, that took you that long. You don't know anybody, and no, I don't. Like, there's uh, nobody good comes from within that organization. Any no. impact they have is an external hire. Look, the it's best, tough. the best core on the Steelers this year is the linebacker core, and who's the coach of that? Brian Flores, who is a head coach and was fantastic with the the Patriots. His defense was great when he was uh, the head coach of the Dolphins. Well, Thomas, you know, and uh, and. That's the only outside hire this team has made was Flores. So the issue is that if they fire Canada, they're just going to they're going to promote from within again, and then the same thing the same thing's going to happen. You're going to have some anemic offensive coordinator, and it doesn't matter if Trubisky's the QB or if Pickett's the QB. Sure, you could bench Trubisky, but Canada's still going to have it's still going to be the same offense with Pickett behind it, and it's going to be the same crappy O line. Where is you know, and then Najee still banged up yep. with his Liz Frank injury that he probably shouldn't be playing through. Watts hurt, uh, and Watts banged up. Minka's out now. You know they, uh, they're they're banged up. But on the offensive side of the ball, you're not really going to change. You could again, you could do everything. Even you could fire Canada and bench Trubisky in the same week. But if you promote the QB coach, same thing is going to happen. They have to. This is it's the fundamental problem with the Steelers, and it's almost it's early on in the season. But I don't know what they do. It's so tough now as the college season has started and the NFL season is you know it's we're in week four. Uh, you can't just go out and hire somebody new early on in the season, much less closer to the middle of the season. I mean, ultimately they would probably. Fire Canada and just go with whoever the QB coach is, uh, but the issue is that again they can't go from within and they're going to have to. So this is an issue, and I hate to tell you this, Kyle, but oh, this no, is going to happen the whole season, whether Canada is there or they move up the. Oh, no, I agree with you 100. percent The QB coach. We've been seeing this since Ben was here. I mean, it's been a short pass team for the last four or five years. And it's hard to watch them when every team knows what you're going to do. There's not one team that does not know Pittsburgh is not going past 10 yards. Pass, run, it doesn't matter. It's going to be a short field game. 
every time they're on there. And that's why we have so many fourth and outs in the season because we can't complete a pass because Trubisky's throwing a wild or it doesn't go anywhere at all. And on top of that, that fr- what you said, that franchise is too much like a family and it has been for years, and that's why we haven't won a Super Bowl since we played the Cardinals. We've had the teams. Mm-hmm. We just haven't had the coaching staff, and I don't think we will for a long time if things don't start to change. All right, let's look at another team that's currently having issues at quarterback, but for a different reason. Mac Jones, pretty gruesome injury. He goes down. That leaves the Patriots with not so many great options. You know, you got Hoyer on the team. You got Zappy on the team. You know, you got a, you got a veteran in Hoyer. You got a rookie in Zappy. Are one of these guys good enough to take over for Jones until he's back? Or should they look at who's on the market? Let's start off with Ben Cower here. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they got a solution. It's Bailey Zappi. It's, they're not going to play Hoyer. They're, they're like, why would you play Hoyer? He's washed. Bailey Zappi is coming off of... I mean, Justin, he had a fantastic yeah, year last he year. Yeah, he did. I mean, he, I mean, he set season records for passing yards and passing touchdowns. And really, in our opinion, he probably should have been a Heisman candidate. If he wasn't playing... Oh, you're, you're, you're calling me... Well, it's me. what Andrew Rogers said. Yeah. But, you know, he set records last year in college football as a QB. Mm-hmm. And if he was not at Western Kentucky... I agree. He would be a much more, much, much more of a household name. And I think after... I mean, because Mac Jones and the Patriots are kind of at odds right now over this, where Mac Jones is like... I'm not going to rush back from this. I want to, like, week eight, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the Patriots are like, no, come back sooner than that. And they're, that's a dispute that's going on. While all this is going on, you put in Zappi, who has a better arm than Mac Jones. He's more mobile than Mac Jones. Uh, and I, I think he could light things up, you know? Maybe we, maybe we see a, not only Jacoby Myers score a touchdown, but maybe he scores <laughs> two touchdowns in a game. Yeah. You know, maybe maybe the wide receivers start actually doing things in in New England. You know, it's uh, instead of just racking up yardage in the middle of the of the field. You know, Zappy is a very good QB. I'm very interested to see how he's going to adapt. Hopefully, because I I hope they don't roll out Hoyer, considering that Matt Patricia is the coach, or at least the offensive. Well, Joe coach. Judge is the quarterback coach. I'd be a little worried. Well, they got Joe QB Judge. Sneaks well, they got Joe Judge, and they got Matt Patricia. Wow, what an inspiring <laughs> list of, hey, well, of look, coaches. Well, look, Joe Judge to those pizza parties after he gets fired. I think the there's so much ineptitude in that one department that they'll probably end up starting Hoyer, and Zappi probably won't see action, but I hope he does. Zappi deserves it. He's better than Hoyer. I mean, again, he set records. He was the MVP of Conference USA last year. Uh... What records did he break? He, he broke he, touchdowns. Most, touchdown it was touchdowns, record. most passing yards yards in the season. He threw 5,967 yards, and he threw 62 touchdowns, which broke both of Joe Burrow's records. NCAA records, two of them last year. And now he's, now he's a Patriot, and there's no question he should be the starter while Mac Jones is out. I agree. I mean, you've got this guy coming in off a season like that. There's no question. I mean, look at what Joe Burrow did off of an ACL injury. I mean, the guy took a team to the Super Bowl who teams or who fans all across the country didn't think would be anywhere near a Super Bowl any time to come. And this kid comes in with no other line, throws for 400-plus. Who's to say Zappi's not going to do that? I mean, you put this kid on a Power 5 team with the season he had last year, I mean, he's obviously got the potential to do it. They may win a championship. He's that kind of quarterback. Well, I'm. I, I know Andrew Rodgers is a Bailey Zappi fan. Um, Are you really going to go with Hoyer? Wow. 
Here's what I'm going to say. <laughs> we, we talk about organizations and we talk... Look, I, I think you'll see both. I think you're going to start Hoyer. I think, I think you'll see a zappy package. I think you're going to see... I think they're going to try to use both quarterbacks in their skill set. But, no. Oh, like Marshall? Yeah, the dual QB God. setup that works so well. Yeah, but I'm going to go with the. I'm going to go with the. I want to see Zappy in the NFL offense. So, but I don't think you start him this week against Green Bay. I think you'll start Hoyer against Green Bay. Maybe put a couple packages in there for Zappy to let him loose, but. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go. I'm going to go Zappy, though. I think Bailey Zappy's got the arm strength to command that offense that Hoyer does not have. But I think with but I think that with Bailey Zappi they're gonna be able to stretch the field out because Zappi's a little mo- more mobile than that. But I'm gonna go Bailey Zappi because I think it'll, it'll test New England's offense a little bit. But again, you got Matty Patricia and Joey Judge as the offensive gurus in New England. It's gonna be a disaster. Can oh. I just remind everybody the last time Brian Hoyer started a game? Please do. <laughs> Let's hear this. It was uh, it was a Monday night game versus Kansas uh, Kansas City in 2020. Mm-hmm. Uh, 15 completions on 24 attempts. Beautiful. 130 <laughs> yards, zero touchdowns, one interception. Let's with, with, with a long, a long pass of 25 yards. I'm just gonna be honest. You start if you start Hoyer over Zappy, it's the same thing as starting Trubisky over Pickett. Oh, yep. you're Let's Zappy rip. You're Tom. You're killing your team. Look, I'm for starting Zappy. I, I, I was one of the best quarterbacks I watched last year in college football. I'm not saying that because he, he beat up Marshall. He was. He beat up everybody. He's got the talent. He's got the thing to do it. But my only concern is this. Is New England going to let Zappi do Bailey Zappi and move out of the pocket? Because I think if he moves out of the pocket, that's going to throw teams off a little bit because they're so, they're so used to New England quarterback being in the pocket. I think if you let Zappi be Bailey Zappi, I say let, let him ride. Let's see what happens. There's only one way to find out. Let's do it. Put him in. Well, I'm glad none of y'all said Cam Newton because we saw what happened the last time oh, Cam fun. Newton went to a former team. Yeah, well, so uh, we don't need no I'm backs in the end zone from Cam Newton. It All could right. be great. It could be great. He could do it again. He can I still uh, doubt it. He can dab with his arms, <laughs> but he can't throw. He can't throw a ball to save his life. All right. Well, I'm a hockey guy. I want to sneak my hockey question in there real quick. Patrick Kane on the Chicago Blackhawks. He's been in trade conversations a lot lately, and the top three teams that are believed to be on Kane's list are the Edmonton Oilers, the New York Rangers, and the Washington Capitals. Where does he fit best? We'll start with Justin Zimmer. Washington, D.C. Here's the thing. The Capitals, we got got Darcy Kemper and gone. I know John's a Rangers fan. I'm sorry. Uh, But look, the Capitals have a Stanley Cup winning team. The owner, Ted Leonsis, is a phenomenal owner. Capitals are going to put everything they got to get good players. Look, Patrick Kane, he'll be on a line with Ovi, Oshie, Backstrom, the Kuznetsov, the Giant, the Capitals. Hello. The Capitals have a hockey team that is capable of winning the Stanley Cup. Coming to Washington, New York's fun. I mean, New York went to to an Eastern Conference Finals last year, and, and no disrespect to the Rangers, but I think Patrick Kane, if he goes to, he'd be the star in New York. But in Washington, it'd be it'd be Stanley Cup guarantee. No, it wouldn't. No, get out of here with that. It would, let's go to D.C. Let's go. It would not be Stanley Cup guarantee. R- let's rally the troops up. Let's go, boys. It would not. You let's go, Caps. The the Caps the the Capitals have a lot of holes. No, we don't. We're and great. Patrick Kane wouldn't fix that. I want to see him go to the Oilers. 
I agree. I, I want to see him go to the Oilers, and even oh. though necessarily there's a lot of factors there, the Oilers, first and foremost, I want to say, John, they need a goalie. My <laughs> they need a goalie because Smith is not the answer. Smith is uh, good in the regular season. He's in, solid horrible. in the regular season, but in, in the postseason, he's the worst goalie I think I've ever seen. I, I've, I've never seen somebody worse. Um, anyways, number two, I, I think he would fit well in the Oilers because... Uh, you know his contract. Well, is kind, his contract's kind of messy, uh, but and that would take some renegotiation there. Uh, but at the same time, the Oilers are just—they're close. They're so close. No, they need that. Well, yes, they had a mir- they had a miracle season last year. They had a miracle season. A miracle season. Yes. Uh, well, okay. They retain everybody that they have, and they add Kane. And that, except for Smith, they dump oh, yeah. him for somebody else. No, if they get rid of their goal, t- if they get rid of Smith, they'll go. They'll, they'll actually get far. But Smith is not a good goalie. You add an elite scoring winner, uh, an elite scoring winger, Justin in Kane you on the outside. A, you have to have a goalie, Ben. Well, there's no, there's no guarantee if. Uh, oh, what's his name? Uh, I, I'm blanking on his name right now. But number 91, uh, he played with the Oilers this season. Uh, uh, da, 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 da. I'm blanking on his name right now, John. You are too. Our, I, he is. Uh, I'm blanking on his name, but he he is this. That I want to say his name is also Evander Kane. That's why I was blanking on it because they're both named Kane. Um, but yeah, you, you add a guy like Evander Kane came. He got added to the team last year late. It was like January, February. And yeah, he changed after, after everything. Suspension. Changed everything. Uh, yeah, sure, after his suspension, but there's no guarantees that he'll be back or be there for long, so you get a guy like, you get another Kane, <laughs> you know, you add him to the lineup uh, with probably less temper issues than Evander Kane, but um, you, you, I think if you add Patrick uh, Kane to the Oilers, uh. that just cements that squad offensively as uh, you know, as a team, you really don't want to mess with. I think the Oilers would be his best bet because it's out of the teams you out of the teams you listed. Um, I mean, the Rangers. I think the Rangers would also be a good fit. But I, I personally want to see him go to the Oilers because I, I think that would finally, finally be the offensive player, the key offensive player that they would need to make that extra step, make that leap, finally get back to the Stanley Cup final. I think that Kane is also the perfect fit for the Oilers. And my reasoning behind that is because you've got a guy who's a great right wing. He finished the season last season with 92 points, not goals, but points. And then you put him in the mix with the leader in last year's points, which is McDavid, and the fourth overall in points was uh, Drysaddle. Mm-hmm. And McDavid finished with 123, Drysaddle finished with 110. I mean, you put these you put these three guys... It would be the best. It would be, the, be one the, of the best lines, if not be the unreal. best. I mean, every time the they rush the goal, dude, the passing ability, the it would just be crazy to watch those three on a run together. All right, no Washington, no love to my Rangers there, but that's, that's okay. That's okay. We're all lost points. I would, I would, I would be a little afraid of. I would feel like too many. There'd be too many mouths to feed in New York if we got Kane. I'll st- I'd still love to see it, but come to slap shot in DC. But all right, <laughs> no. let's squeeze one more in. We'll have to keep it a little short and sweet. But okay. I want to know so far, going back to the NFL, who is your favorite to be the MVP of this season? Oh. We'll start with Kyle. Josh Allen. Every day of the week, Josh Allen so far this season has threw for 400 yards. He threw for over 300, and I think he threw for close to 270 in a game out of the three he's played. And, yes, he's took some tough losses, but 
you've got a guy who has more heart on the field than anybody, who's mobile for a height of 6'5". This guy comes out and last season had a great run throughout the season. Lost to the Chiefs, sadly, in the playoffs. But if the NFL rules were changed and the game did not end the way it did and it could keep going, Josh Allen, Josh Allen outplays the Chiefs all day to the end of the game. But this season... It's Lamar Jackson. Bring him his money. It's Lamar Jackson. So far, I mean, I can't think of anybody else who'd be the lead for the MVP. Sure, he got outdueled by Tua, but he's not playing. Tua's not playing better than Lamar is. Lamar is so, is such a dual threat. I mean, this season he has been unbelievable, unbelievable. I mean, he's like what top ten in the in the in the league in rushing yards, number one in the league in passing. Uh, he's in a contract year. This man is not going to be denied his money, and he's going to play his butt off for the rest of the year. Uh, no, and he's going to drag the Ravens with him uh, to relevancy, even if the rest of the team surrounding him is not nearly as good as he is. But he is such a good, he's such a great player. And right now, I don't think there's any QB in the league that you know. Besides, Josh Allen is is a good candidate, but I think Allen is number two to Lamar because Lamar is just such what what Josh Allen can do Lamar can do better in my opinion uh, I, at least this season so far that's been the case and Lamar is my MVP right now bring the bank truck up to Lamar Jackson's house please can we just open the truck and just dump off the 250 million dollars guarantee Lamar Jackson's having a great season look Kyle we'll get an MVP battle this weekend we'll get to see Allen and Jackson but he's he's balling out and listen for Steve Buscetti, the Baltimore Ravens owner, open up your pocketbook. You know where Lamar lives. You can, you, you know, you can have you have, you have the mascot and bring the check. He, this man deserves his but money. Edgar and Edgar and Allen, because <laughs> yeah. Poe's injured. Yeah, bring 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 Edgar, bring Allen, bring Poe in a wheelchair. <laughs> Two fifty each. Give this man his money. He's having a phenomenal year. He's a mobile quarterback, and look, you'll get Josh Allen and Lamar this week. This will be the weekend that determines if Lamar wins the MVP or not. Oh, and I think it's going to be determined because he's already got him beat by three hundred, almost 300 yards on the season so far, and we're only three games in. They both threw two picks. He's got, a, he's got him beat by 7.6 on completion rating. I just I don't think that Jackson's the quarterback. Jackson's the kind of quarterback that gets figured out every year just like he did last year, and he falls apart towards the end of the season, and I'm just I don't see this guy having the remainder of the season that he's had so far at the start. Lamar is such he's such he's so more of a dual threat though, where he's got he's got touch I mean he can he's got over the last 3 weeks passing touchdowns. He's got 10 of them. Rushing touchdowns. Add two more. And and those are, both came in the last two games, and he's rushed for over well over a hundred yards in the last two games too. Uh, again, and in, the, in the last two games, yeah, sure, he's thrown. He's efficient with his passing. He, he can run the deep ball. He can run the ball himself all the way down the field. J.K. Dobbins has been out. You know what? Yeah, he's finally back. But you know who's the best rusher on the team? Lamar Jackson. He's their RB one. He's their QB one. And then. Probably, if they needed him, he could be their wide receiver one. Whoa. So, yeah, Lamar Jackson is, is uh, easily the MVP. All right, good discussion. All right, we're going to close off round two here. When we get back, one more will be eliminated. We'll be left with just two. Fantasy football fans, you're going to want to hear the final question of tonight. So when we come back, we'll talk more on that. 
just in. The WMUL news staff is looking for dedicated individuals to report, anchor, and produce its multi-award winning daily newscast. No experience is required and all majors may apply. Interested candidates should call 696-6640 or email wmulnews at marshall.edu. Join the crew for the best newscast for the state of West Virginia. News Center 88 on 88.1 WMUL. And we're back on Sports Buzz. One person is going to be eliminated, and then we'll get into our final question. And you know, I wasn't expecting to do this tonight, but you know, Zimmer, last week you got caught knowing, not knowing the Bills wide receivers. This week you got caught not knowing the Steelers coaching. When are you going to quit getting caught lacking, Zimmer? You can't, you can't keep getting caught lacking. Listen, I'm in the middle of Gardner Web prep now, so there you go. My, my mind's focused on the Bulldogs. Well, you played great, Zimmer. Uh, thanks for coming along onto the show tonight. And by the way, there's no there there are no coaches from the Tomlin tree that have that have been head coaches before, so I, I should get some slack there too. <laughs> you make a fair point, Thank but you. all right, we'll see you, Zimmer. All right, that leaves Ben Cower and Kyle. Spalding, right? Okay, yes. got you. That's we got at least with Ben Cower and Kyle Spalding, and our final question of the night is a fantasy football question. I want to know one player that you're buying and one player that you're selling. Let's start with Ben Cower on this one. All right, all right. Just as a preface, I want to say I've won a fantasy football championship before, so I like to think that I know what I'm doing when it comes to fantasy football. Uh-huh. One player, I'm, don't laugh at me, Justin. You're eliminated. Uh, my first answer, who are we buying right now? It's Justin Jefferson. Because the last two weeks, everybody's been down on Justin Jefferson. Uh, he's an elite. He's Last year, he was the best. He was the best. And the last two weeks have not gone the way he's wanted. I mean, week one, uh, in, in half-point PPR, it was 34.9 points. And then the last two weeks, 7.8 and 2.9. You're telling me those aren't two flukes in a row? And I'm not preaching to the choir because you're a Vikings fan. I legitimately mean this. You buy, you gotta buy him now, because you fool whatever idiot is selling him. Because if there's Justin Jefferson available, he's one of the best, if not the best, wide receiver in fantasy. He's young, he's fast, he's a reception machine. He's outpacing everybody in a country mile for receptions on the Vikings. And Justin Jefferson, you gotta buy him now while you still can, because this, the two bad weeks in a row, not happening the rest of the season. He's gonna plow through, Justin Jefferson will be back. And who am I selling? Christian McCaffrey, because you know what? The injury concerns are coming back. Today, he, he was out of practice. An, in, an ankle injury today. His ankle was sore. It's coming back. His ankle has bothered him for so many years, and every season, it comes back. And it, you don't know when it's going to happen, but it's already starting to deteriorate. Last week, he missed two or three days of, of practice last week. And he still played. He still played, but he's missing practice again. They still don't have an O-line. And, you know, they're still incredibly reliant on McCaffrey as a player. They don't have a change-up back. They're not interspersing. You know, they're not playing, uh, what is it, Chubba Chub- Hubbard behind them. Uh, you know, they're not. And then Mike Davis. I don't know if Mike Davis is still there, but I think it's, it's Hubbard. Uh, anyways, McCaffrey, the injury concerns are coming back, and his, consist- his consistency has, like, kind of been up and down this season. Again, he's like 11th ranked RB. You know, he's had he has one what 
one touchdown this year in three games. Not super impressive. You know, he's been okay, but the the injuries are coming back. Go off the name recognition. Somebody's going to pay a premium for McCaffrey because if you don't want him, somebody will. Uh, I would sell McCaffrey right now before he gets injured again because it's coming. I like the idea. I feel like you were tugging on the heartstrings with the Vikings there. But... No, 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 no. no. Uh, yeah. Mm-mm. But um, normally, I mean, if you ask anybody this question when they say who they're going to buy, they're going to say Josh Allen just off the stats. Because, I mean, that's that's your go-to. The guy's throw 400, 317, 297. You can't beat that. But for me personally, I mean, let's be real. Somebody's already got Allen in the first pick. He's gone. So I'm going to go Devontae Smith. I mean, the kid, he's a natural at what he does. He didn't play the first game of the season against the Lions, but he did play against the Vikings and the Commanders. Sorry about the Vikings. Don't hurt me. But um, he had 11.4 against the Vikings was his average. He had seven receptions for 80 yards. And then against the Commanders, the guy had 169 for eight receptions, averaging 21.1 yards. He's got 16.6 average on the season. He's got 249 yards and 15 catches. For a rookie, that's so impressive. I mean, this guy, and on top of that, I know you all saw the plays last week in the game. I mean, that guy goes up and gets the ball. It's hard to find a receiver that goes out and makes a play. I mean, he won a Heisman. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. A lot of these guys come into the league, and you watch them throw to a receiver, a receiver won't even extend their arms for the ball. They won't dive. They won't get down. This guy goes up and over people. He dives into them. This guy is a moss machine. I have faith in him. And as far from myself, different position, same team. I'm getting rid of Baker. Baker's got the worst QBR in the league right now with 18.8. He's barely through for 200. He had 235 against the Browns, 145 against the Giants. Of all, You can't throw over 145 against the Giants. And then he had 170 against the Saints, who who's, have no defense. Who's got Baker in fantasy? That's my question. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, but so it's I, like if you're you wouldn't be selling him because nobody's nobody wants him. He's on the he's on he's on someone the, took Baker. He's on the waiver wire somewhere. No, someone's took he's Baker. He's on the they, waiver they're, wire they're somewhere. They're thinking he had a good season with the Browns, took them to the playoffs. He's gonna do the same thing against the Panthers. And I was shocked at his performance against the Browns. I really thought he would come out and win that game for them, but I mean they fell apart. But on top of that, Baker also has the last two games he played, he threw under 50% completion. He barely threw over 50 against the Browns. I mean, what what is this guy doing? He had a great season every year prior. He he was potentially a Super Bowl candidate with the Browns last year. And now he's filling off the wagon just because he's on the Panthers? All right. Well, this has been a great discussion, guys, but we've hit the point where we must pick a winner. Both of you did a fantastic job. But I am going to have to give tonight's victory to Ben Cower. Ben, you put up a great performance. Thanks for stopping in tonight. You have any final words? It's a flu game, baby. I'm not sick. But I wasn't even scheduled to be on tonight. I came in, clutched up. Oh, I'm so excited. It's my first win of the year. I've been waiting so long for this. It's been nearly a year since I've won one of these. So I'm excited. Kyle, you did a really good job oh, for you your first great, time. You did great. Uh, yes, it was. It was, it was having you on. It was great, Kyle, for your first time. Don't sell yourself short just because you didn't get the win. This, man, was... this guy had so many statistics. He's, <laughs> he's about it. He knows what he's doing. I was impressed. Man, I'm so excited. Johnny did a great job as host, too. All right, well, job, thank man. you. Well, for Ben Cower, Kyle Spalding, Ben Anderson, Justin Zimmer, I'm John Bogus here on The Cutting Edge. 88.1. This is the end of Sports Buzz. Thank you all for listening. Have a good night.